Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love, and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website, c3wellington.com. We're so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. All right, so this message series is, is life, freedom, and purpose. And like I said, it comes out of the story of Lazarus and Jesus going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And uh, so I'm just going to fill you, I'm just going to give you some backstory here because there's so much in this, in, this, in this story. There's so much going on here, which it really does inform a little bit about who, how Jesus operates, you know, and, uh, and his mandate. And I think we can draw some things in our own lives from the this, this story. And so here's the situation. You've got Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother. And they were, uh, they uh, were believers in Jesus, and they would call themselves friends of Jesus. And, and there's a situation where Lazarus, the brother, got sick, and, 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 and then through the sickness, uh, got terribly sick, actually. They sent word to Jesus saying, Jesus, your friend, your, your, your follower, your, uh, our brother is sick. Lazarus is sick. And so Jesus, Jesus says to his disciples, and this is what's crazy, he says, hey, this sickness is not unto death, but unto my glory. He's not gonna, this is not going to end in death. And, and so that, that's crazy. This is going to end in death. And so the very next scripture, after Jesus says to his disciples, this is not going to end in death, it says, so they remained where they were for two more days. So you've got this word coming out to Jesus saying, hey, your friend, your follower, this one that loves you, he's sick, he's, he's, he's not well, and we know that you are who you say you are. We believe that you're the Son of God. We know that you can do something about this. We believe in your miracle-working power. We believe that you can do something. Would you come? Would you come? And, 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 and he, says, he says to his disciples, it's not going to end in death. Let's, let's kick it here for another couple of days. Let's just chill. Seems almost weird, right, that Jesus wouldn't just like up and go in that moment, Right? Up and go in that moment, and then it doesn't take but a few more scriptures. If you if you follow the story, it, it says that it says that uh, that this will glorify him, and then it goes on to say that uh, he must be very sick. And Jesus goes, "No, he knows he's going to die." So Jesus even says, "He's going to die." I'm speaking of his death. I'm going to go and raise him. I'm speaking of his death. I'm just just told he's not going to die. Now I'm saying he's going to die, and I'm going to raise him. And it's very confusing for a disciple follower of Jesus. But Jesus has got something deep going on in the situation with Lazarus. There's something deep going on that's beyond just the salvation of Lazarus, although that's very, very important, the rescuing, the, 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 the raising of Lazarus. But there's something else going on. He's wanting to teach his disciples and teach us in this moment, which is, I think, just really profound. I just want to say that sometimes that the, the miracle that you're after, the breakthrough that you're longing for, the thing that you're trying to, that you're believing for, that you're hoping for, that sometimes God in this delay is doing something so much more greater than you can ever imagine. Sometimes the delay is important. Sometimes the delay is God-given. Sometimes the delay is the very thing that's going to bring about such an amazing, greater miracle, a greater situation. So don't give up in the delay. Don't freak out in the delay. Don't, don't worry about the fact that it hasn't come through yet. It's going it's to come. He said it. Jesus said it. It's not going to end in death. It's not going to end in death. So I'm going to chill here for two days because there's some things that's going to happen in this scenario that's going to be far more greater than just a person receiving healing. So much more going on than that. So many more ripples are going to go out from the situation. Jesus had a grander and bigger picture. And we've got to understand that every purpose that God does with, for you and with you, every prayer he answers is for you because he loves you. But it's not just that. It never ends on you. 
It doesn't just finish on you. Miracles go beyond you, and they reach and they pull others, right? And so the glory of God showing through things is what's so profound about this situation. And, and, uh, and, and, so, and so, so, that, so Jesus says, okay, boys, we're off. Let's go. Let's go to where they're at. Like they had a, a bit of a journey to get there, right? And then the disciples said, but God, um, last time you were in that area, they tried to kill you. Right? They tried to stone you. That wasn't, didn't go well for you. Why the heck are you going back there? And Jesus said, you know, hey, well, here's this really kind of weird kind of like, like philosophical answer, which is sometimes you're like, well, you have the day, there's 12 hours in the day, and when you have the daytime, you know, it's all good, and beware when it's not the nighttime. And it's kind of all this kind of weird kind of poetic saying. But he's basically saying, hey, I've got the faith to believe. If I say he's going to go healed, no one's going to touch me. No one's going to happen to us. I, uh, I've spoken out this is going to happen. Let's not fear. Let's believe in faith. Let's move in faith, and, and let's have this happen. So even in those moments, he's encouraging his disciples not to look at the situation in front of you, but to see that uh, when God's with you and he says it, it's going to come to pass. But my message this morning is called this, it's called Awaken to Life. This message series is Life, Freedom, Purpose, and my, morning, my message this morning is Awaken to Life. So he has this interaction with us, and he says this, uh, he says about him going to Lazarus, he says this in John 11, verse 11, he says, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. <laughs> I, love how, I love how Jesus is almost like, I'm not even going to call it death. I'm not even going to acknowledge it as death. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I wonder, and I mean, I mean this is just conjecture and my, me being the wondering kind of guy, but I wonder in that moment, it's like, if he said to them, his, his, his bros, his disciples, he's dead, they're like, well, let's just not even bother going. He's like, okay, well, I'm just going to soft sell this. He's fallen asleep. Come on, let's go. It's all right. We're going to, you know, I just wonder if he's just like, oh, you have little faith. Come on, you know. But like, he's like, it's fallen asleep. But listen to this. But I go to awaken him. I go to awaken him. And here's the thing. The mission of Jesus is about rescuing his kids, right? The message of Jesus is focused on lost people. Because lost people matter to Jesus. There's his mission, therefore, should become our mission. Our mission should be to bring people that are lost to Jesus. Our mission should be to rescue those that are lost for Jesus. This should be the centrality of who we are as Christians, the centrality of who we are as a church community. The greatest focus we should have is the fact that we're saved and we're rescued, but there are people that are not. Right? We, we don't want to get to that great day, the capital G, capital D day, that day when you stand before him and think, what did I lay my life all out on? What did I spend my life for at the cost of maybe the greatest treasure ever? And that is people, right? And so, so I love that against, against, even against death, even against persecution and stoning, Jesus is going, I'm going to awaken him. Against all this opposition, against everything that might stand in my way, I'm going to awaken him. I love it when well, the very first salvation in this church was Matt, Matthew uh, Samuels, and uh, it, wasn't, it was at a... Uh, at Disciple Makers in C3 Auckland. We took a crew before we launched. Disciple Makers happens every February. We didn't launch to April. Matt came to the Disciple Makers, reluctantly came to Disciple Makers. And, uh, and in that moment, uh, 
he, he had a moment where he, he gave his life to Jesus, man. He said, I want to follow you, Jesus. It's such a powerful moment. I remember when I got back to a seat, I had to climb over seats to get to him and give him a hug. It was the most amazing moment. I'm telling you something. When you're a part of making a spiritual difference in the life of someone else, there's no greater moment. There's nothing that beats it, you know. There's nothing that beats being able to be a part of someone's journey to Jesus, right? And uh, I remember talking to him. We went, we went from there. We went, let's, let's go buy you a Bible, bro. You need a Bible. So we drove to the, to the, the Christian to the Christian bookshop right there, you know, and uh, we're in Ellerslie, and uh, we bought him a Bible. It's like, which one do you want? Yeah, this is a good one. And uh, on the way, we we're talking about it. I said, like, how, did you ex- how would you explain this moment that happened for you? How would you explain it? He says, I felt like I was awakened. I felt like there was something in me that was dormant. If there was something in there that was like asleep, that didn't like, it was there, but it didn't really have any life to it. And all of a sudden, I feel awakened. That's, that's how I best describe this feeling. I'm telling you, that's what exactly why Jesus died. He died so that people that would be dead, people that would be asleep in their spirit, people that would feel like there's a part of them that is an eternal party that is dormant, and Jesus comes and awakens your life. And if, if that is, there's no greater thing. And like, we, we, we don't want to be a church, man. We don't want to be a church that drifts in and out of Sundays and never sees anyone come to Jesus. And this is the, the challenge, man, because when we move down here, we came on the back of this sort of like passion, right, to see a spiritual difference made in the lives of other people. And then you, you so you have this desire for spiritual leadership and, and then all of a sudden you've got to do some administrative stuff and you've got to do some, uh, there's, there's, there's organizational leadership that needs to take place. And, and it's so easy to get lost in the weeds. You know, it's so easy to. And, and, that's, and that's, something, that's something that feels like called and like given the opportunity to pastor and a big calling. It's like, man, I can get lost in the weeds. So it must be easy for us all. So, so this isn't like weight on you, like, this isn't like, you need to, you know, uh, no, no, no. Like I'm, I'm saying like, we can easily get lost, man, in this whole process and then go through the motions of, of Christianity and, and we're not actually, uh, you know, actually even realizing the spiritual landscape around us and the lives of those around us and how that we can make a change and we can make a difference. And, and so, you know, we've got to understand that we exist to reach lost people with a life-giving message of Jesus. And this needs to be the why before, behind everything we do. It needs to be the why. C3 Global, as a mission, as a movement, has the statement that the true north of C3 is the salvation of lost people. And it's just so easy to say this stuff. And the point is, is that I've got to take accountability in my life for it. This message must be my message. It can't just be something that comes across lovely in half an hour on a Sunday with a lot of year and amen, but on my Monday makes no shift in my life. And we can't lean on the organized church like this, like this kind of thing that we sort of see as the thing that saves people, because you are the church. It's, it's, it's you and me, yeah? And so I love that uh, the question that I've written here is, who does Jesus want to awaken to life through you? Jesus does the awakening, but who does he want to do that through you? So one of my points I've got here about uh, be a church on mission is that we have to have a whatever-it-takes kind of attitude, a whatever-it-takes kind of attitude that the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were now just seeking to stone you, and are you going to go back there again? And I love that Jesus is a risk-taker. I love that Jesus was the water walker. I like that Jesus is the guy that he's not safe, he's not comfortable, he's not, he's not just this like keep it 
simple, just preached the message, but he walked the walk, he talked the talk, and he put himself in positions that were actually uncomfortable. And even to the point where he'd gather crowds and he would say really awkward things and the crowds would disperse. He would, he would have moments where he was like having this awesome, like tens of thousands of people would come out to him and he would just disappear and go, I'm going off. Into, like he was just like anti, but he just didn't play the game, man. Like he just was, and it's like risky. Like you've got a good following, man. Like hammer home, bring that awesome message, you know. Like, you know, take up an offering that's not just for food. You know, like, it's like take the moment. And, but yeah, Jesus just does it so differently. But he was a risk taker, you know. I just love that. And I think that, I don't think that in this culture, in this climate, we've just, you know, we're, we're in a very liberal, it, it, I was going to say, um, it's, not, it's not non-churched, it's de-churched, right? I don't think most New Zealanders don't know what church is doesn't know what organized religion is. Most New Zealanders have got a pretty, they're pretty clued up about what they think organized religion is, whether their uh, thought around it is right or wrong or otherwise, but it's gone from being something that's been morally neutral for a lot of people, or, hey, it's good for you, but not for me. It's been something I can see that it does a lot of good for the community, but it's just not my thing. To actually see an organized religion is dangerous. That, that, that people, there's, a, there's a growing number of people in, in, in New Zealand that think that we would be better off without any religion, without any, that the church is something to, that is dangerous, brainwashing, challenging, unloving, go and fill in the blank. And so even more now, we need to understand that actually to reach people is going to require risk taking, right? We can't just think that a really fancy Facebook ad is going to draw people to Jesus. You know, we've actually got to understand that it's going to take a risk on my behalf to put myself in a position to maybe be persecuted, to be, to be ridiculed, to, you know, it, it might take some, a, a stand. What I'm trying to say is that it might take some faith. God says it's hard to please me without it. And, and I'm just saying that, um, uh, you know, it's, we, we're starting to live in a day and age where actually we're, we're becoming the minority, the marginalized, and the persecuted. It's an interesting shift. Now, I know we, I'm not trying to paint it too bleak of a picture. I love our nation. I love this country. And I believe that Jesus Christ has got a plan and a purpose for New Zealand. Amen. And that he's going to send. Oh, look, I just, I'm excited for the future for us as a church and for this nation. But I'm just saying that there's a shift. And you can feel it. And it requires faith to be risk takers and water walkers. 1 Corinthians 9.22 says, Paul says, I have become all things to all people that by all, my, by all means I might save some. He was willing to go and do whatever it takes and, you know, that, that attitude of that you, you matter that much. So let's be whatever it takes kind of people. And, and the, other, the other element which is so important because we can be whatever it takes kind of people but driven by the wrong stuff, right? Driven by the wrong motivation, the wrong, like, uh, um, I was listening to a, 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 a podcast and they're talking about a religious organization that had donated some stuff to some other thing. And the podcaster said, but you understand there's obviously the ulterior motives there as to why they would donate that. Obviously, they're looking for converts, right? And they're looking for converts. This is the challenging thing I feel about Christianity. We're called to go and make disciples, right? But there's an element that if it's, it's got to be hinged on a thing called love. <laughs> this is so critical. And, and, the, and the, here's one thing that love is not. Love is not conditional, 
<laughs> right? Love can't be like that. First Corinthians 13 tells us what love is. It's patient and kind. It does not, it does not judge. It doesn't all these things. So, so yes, we're called to go and make disciples, but based out of a position of love, right? And so therefore, there's got to be a, 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 a deplatforming of judgment, right? And uh, so it's a, ch- it's a challenging situation. But I love that Jesus in his moment with, uh, with Lazarus was driven by love. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus in John eleven five, And then if you go down to John eleven thirty six, 36, the Jews even that saw Jesus turn up, they, they saw him turn up in the situation and his reaction in the moment. And even the Jews that were watching say, see how much he loved him? Like it was obvious. It was obvious that even though, even though Jesus said that this is going to be for the glory of God, this this awakening of Lazarus is going to be for my glory and the glory of God. It wasn't, he still had a basis of, I love you, Lazarus, so I'm coming to rescue you because I love you. It wasn't, it wasn't just based on some sort of like, we've got to build a church. Because if people become a means to another end, then we can err, right? And we can create legalisms and religion and we can create sort of some rules and it's, it's a, such a knife edge we have to walk. And we have to continually keep ourselves in check of motivation Am I going to look good? If I, am I going to, you know, I really want some ministry position. If I do this, will it, like, it's so easy for self-motivations to creep up. And we need to understand we need to be driven by love. Jesus understood that, that God had a bigger picture of this, but he was still motivated by love. He was still there for the one. He was still there for the one, and that is such a challenging situation for us to reckon, wrestle with, and I think we need to wrestle with it. I feel like there's a far greater chance of things sticking. Well, love is the platform it's built on. And uh, the other thing I want to say is, let's be a church that's fueled by belief or faith, interject those words. In the story, Jesus interacts with with Martha and Mary, and, and he uses the term belief, but I think we can interject faith there as well. But let's listen to this, this interaction between Martha and Jesus. This is John 11, 21 to 27. It says, Martha, this is the sister of Lazarus. Jesus turns up. They meet just outside the area. Lazarus is dead, and Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, it feels quite accusational and like, uh, like hurt speaking, but it's also, there's some faith in that, right? I'm saying, like, I know that if you were here, he wouldn't have died. I believe in your ability to heal. But, like, but Jesus is wanting to take it to another level. Like, there's some faith in this woman, but Jesus is wanting to take her faith to another level. Like, we can believe for a certain thing, but maybe Jesus wants to take you to another level of faith. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So powerful. I love that statement. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, yeah, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection, in the last day. Like, I mean, I believe that that's going to happen. Like, we're all going to rise. And I just, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. He said, no, no. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Okay. Come on. Where we stand in this moment, where we, where we, when we move throughout our day, something that is really evident is that belief 
is actually what we put into action is what we believe, right? So I ain't going to jump off a really high bridge because I believe in gravity. I'm not going to drive fast around a corner because I believe that that science is 45. I could probably take it at 60. But I'm not going to go much faster than that because, you know, uh, you know I believe in some things. I, 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 you, we, we, we live in faith and belief every day, right? And, and so there's some things that, that govern my life, that, that govern the way I live because I believe them, right? And so very simply, our belief in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, our belief in the ability for Jesus to rescue that person, our belief in the ability for Jesus to reach my friend, to reach my family member, to reach my work colleague, to turn their life around, that no person is too far away, no life is too gone, no situation can ever be overturned, that Jesus can break through all of that because He did it for me. I believe that, therefore, I will take a step. I will take a risk because I believe it. Our belief says where we're at. That's real challenging if I have to apply that to my life. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's real challenging, man. Like, and in the moment, here's what I'm trying to say. In the moment of Lazarus's awakening, Jesus was challenging Lazarus's sister. Do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe the faith that you have for your brother? So the faith that you have for the person that God's wanting to bring to him through you, your faith matters. In the salvation of people's lives, your faith matters. Your belief in God matters. It mattered in this moment. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She says, she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into this world. Man, what a level of faith to say that to a flesh and blood human standing before her. We've got the story, man. We've got the, we've got the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We've got, we've got the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is so powerful in this moment to make this declaration. And I commend Martha's faith here. Come on, no person is beyond the reach. We need to start believing that our family will be saved, that your friends will be saved, your workmates, your schoolmates, your classmates will be saved. Belief, it starts with belief. Like it's, Our prayer life will start to shift when we see it, when we believe it, when we start to believe that there's going to be a shift, that we believe that the person we invite is going to come next Sunday. We believe that the person that you ask for coffee is going to be an opportunity. We, we start to believe that things are going to shift, that as we put ourselves in the pathway, God will bring. One of the analogies that I, I don't think is necessarily a great, a great analogy, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> but I sometimes wonder in Christian circles, and I just talked about the culture that we live in in New Zealand right now, and I sometimes wonder if we, we think that, actually, where's my bro, Troy? Troy, you can come and bring your tinkling on the, on the keys. On the keys. Yeah, and uh, anyway, so this is, the, this is the, the word picture I have, that sometimes we think that in a kitchen, we're packing to move. We're moving in three weeks' time, right? So our kitchen has got very sparse, very sparse, you know, one glass here, because I have a very organized wife who I love very much, and I'm very grateful for your organizational skills, and uh, that we're ahead of the curve on packing, right? Uh, and so our kitchen is very sparse, but when it's not in pack mode, We've got, we used to have a lot of appliances uh, plugged for Thermomixes. We now have one, pretty much one appliance that does everything. Thank you, Thermomix. We live the Thermomix life. Come on. And uh, if you don't know what that is, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But there are, you know, you can have a lot of kitchen appliances, right? You can have something that does this, something that does that. Uh, the coffee machine gets a workout every day. Thank you, Jesus, for coffee. But there are other appliances that, you know, are kind of like, you know, take it or leave it. And one of those that I think maybe we've all gone through a, 
a season of this is buying a juicer. I don't know if you've ever done a juice diet. I, I remember when I was, before I got married, I did a juice diet with my flatmate, who, I, 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 to be fair, I did a juice diet with a guy that's just really like, if he says he's going to do something, he just like does it. He's the guy that ate the same breakfast all of his life, like he'd have the same thing every morning. I'm like, I don't know how you do that, bro. Like, like branch out, man. Like, have you seen the aisle? <laughs> the supermarket, there's plenty of options. But anyway, he did the same thing. But we did this juice diet, and he was like, legit. And so I'm like, I have to be legit, bro, because he's like, he's owning this thing. But so we're juicing, you know. All sorts of, you know, I got over carrots and beetroot. Like carrots and beetroot, like this, you know, dirt flavored smoothies are just not really my thing. But, you know, if it's your thing, it's cool, you know. But anyway, but that juicer got a workout for a season, but then it got put away in the shelf and, um, you know, becomes this kind of like kitchen appliance that, ah, it's good if you got it, but you don't really need it, you know. And I think sometimes we can think that that's how people see Christianity and how people see Jesus. But we, we don't, we're here. But we feel like those people in our world will see him as like, I can see it's good for you, bro. Like it's good for you, but it's not really good for me. I don't really need it. And we're, te- we're intimidated by that. We're intimidated by the fact that they, we think that they see Jesus as, an, as, as a juicer in my world. And therefore we're intimidated to approach them. Do you feel like they just can dismiss it? And then it's awkward. I'm just here to tell you that he is not a juicer. Because the other, the other example I can give you is that there are people drowning in the ocean and you're in a boat and you've got a life preserver in your hand. And that person is going down if you don't throw it. We have the opportunity to throw. I don't know if you ever saw the episode of Pihar Rescue where these swimmers, I don't know if they're surfers, but these swimmers were drifting and the rescue boat got to them. One guy took the rescue and got on the boat. The other guy thought, I'm strong enough, I'm not. I, he declined rescuing. I was, I'm, I'm fine, bro. And just kept on swimming. He drowned. We don't have control or sway over the eternity of people, but we are called to throw those lifesavers. We are not peddling juices. We're throwing life preservers. And we need to understand there is a drowning world around us. We have the answer. We have the answer. Awaken to life. I love how Jesus promises life. John 10.10, 10, right before John 11. I came that you might have life and have it to its entirety, have it to its full, have abundant life. Not some watered down version of life, not some, you gotta just give up a whole bunch of stuff and like the juice diet, I had to give up all the good things I wanted to eat. You know what I mean? Because oh, this is going to be good for me, so I've just got to do it. Christianity ain't that, right? It ain't a juice diet. It's a buffet, you know? <laughs> it's like an all-you-can-eat, man. And I wonder how many times we like have this all-you-can-eat buffet in the, of the presence of God and, the, and all of what God offers through His Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've just got to come and eat. And I think that's probably a good point, place to kind of wrap this back to us, Right? Because I think that one of the things that really made a difference was that Martha had this relationship, Mary and Martha had this relationship with Jesus that they called out to him. So in this situation, they were able to actually call out by 
sending, by writing, or whatever, whatever method they use to get the word to Jesus. But we call out through prayer. We call out through prayer. And I just want to encourage you. Right now, why don't you just take a moment and ask yourself this question, answer this question. When was the last time you were in prayer for the salvation of somebody? When was the last time you were praying, crying out to Jesus, salvation of somebody you care about, someone in your world? When was the last time you were moved to cry out to Jesus? It's confronting, isn't it? Telling church, lest we become a church that just loves to talk Christian jargon to one another and pat each other on the back and be a little Christian huddle. I want to see the messiness of salvation. I want to see young Christians hungry, snipping at the heels of you mature Christians saying, teach me this, learn me, what's going on here? You know, like, do I, how do I, oh, raise my hands, okay. Like, I just want that, I want the awkwardness of I don't understand what's going on. And I, I want that, do you want that? I want that in this environment, man. I, I want to be up here going, I can see people I don't even know right now and I don't know where their salvation is at. Not that I know where yours is at either, but I'm just saying I want to, uh, and I want the onus to be on the preachers of the microphone to go, you've got to give an opportunity man because there are people here and I, I get it like but like we can get so easily just like preaching to the choir preaching to the converted so easy to, to just preach messages that just encourage Christians and so the person that's 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 on a on a hunt and on a search for Jesus it's like what's he, is there anything what's I don't know what how to, you know oh man I just so think it's so easy to get there it's like we're at the dining table. Come on, let's, let's bring people. <laughs> let's bring people to the table to eat with us. And I think I'm running out of analogies. I've used a lot of them this morning, but I'm running out of stories. So one of the most powerful, impacting ways that God has spoken, well, God speaks to me through visions, okay? So that's how mainly through visions. Uh, that's how God is, tends to be the, the method in which He communicates to me. And I love that God communicates in many different ways. And so, but for me, that's, that's what's like movies playing out in front of my mind or I'm praying after the Holy Spirit turned up and I just see stuff. And it's like, I'm watching a movie. I don't know what I'm watching, but I'm just taking note of it. And it's kind of happens for me. And I had this powerful encounter before we launched, before we planted. And it was personal for me, but then it became beyond me and I want to share it with you and I, I haven't shared this for a, a wee while I've shared it lots but I want to bring it back again this, this morning to, to summarize this message so the vision was this I was living in a cave and I was walking out of the cave and living my day and coming back to live in the cave and one day on my way back to the cave Jesus interrupts me apprehends me stops me and says hey you want to come to my place you don't have to just wanted to come and hang out at my place. I'm like, hang out at Jesus' place. That's a good idea. Let's go there. So I go with Jesus to his house, which isn't that far away. <laughs> In fact, I could see it from my cave. It's kind of hilarious, I thought. And, uh, and he's got this awesome pad, man. Now, as you look really tired, why don't you find a room, get a good night's sleep, and in the morning, I'll, we'll do breakfast or whatever. And So I did that in his like, beautiful house, lots of rooms, found a room, had the most amazing night's sleep. Anyway, I woke up the next morning, Jesus is in the kitchen making breakfast. <laughs> I know this feels weird, but I'm just telling you, this is how God <laughs> speaks to me. 
And so I sit at the breakfast bar and he's making pancakes or whatever he's making. And I like to think he's making bacon, even though he's a Jew, but hey, my vision. So. Um, and uh, Jesus goes, hey, you know that cave? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, you know, you don't have to live there anymore. I don't. No. Why don't you come live with me? I've got plenty of room, plenty of space. You come live with me. I'd love that. <laughs> I'd love to, to do that. Cool, done. Oh, it's just so easy, done. You live here now. Easy. That's awesome. Anyway, he puts my food in front of me. I start eating. You can tell he's got this like thing going on. He goes, hey, hey, you know that cave? I'm like, yeah. Where's he going with? You know that cave? He goes, why don't we blow it up? I'm like, blow it up? He says, why, why don't we blow I've got some. I've got some dynamite. I'm like, of course you do, Jesus. You've got room in here. I've got some dynamite. Why don't we, why don't we blow it up? <laughs> I'm like, okay. We're going to blow the cave up. Come on. It feels kind of choice, you know, kind of cool. We're going to go blow this cave up. Yeah. So we get to the cave. We're laying the dynamite around the, around the inside of the cave. And I'm starting to feel real nervous. I'm feeling real anxious. You see, because all I've really known is this cave. And I didn't want to live in this cave anymore, but I really didn't know any other life, right? And so Jesus, feeling my apprehension, comes and puts his arm around me. He says, it's going to be fine. It's going to be cool. You're, you're, it's fine. And I just felt that that was all I needed was that warmth and that encouragement. Okay, so we run the little wire, the fuse out the, out the cave door, and I've got the, like, the detonator thing, like old school, you know. Like, and, uh, and so Jesus says to me, he goes, you do it. And I go, what? I, 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 yeah, you blow up your own cave. I thought, this is super cool, right? So, so I, 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 three, two, one, hit the detonator, and the, the cave crumbles into rubble. And we go back to his house. That's the end of the vision. But then sometime after this, so it's a real personal thing for me. Very personal. You know, sometime after this, not long after this, I get a second vision from God. And it was, we're chilling out, we're hanging out in his house. And uh, I walk out onto the veranda and I see the rubble that used to be my cave and it's got grass growing over. So you wouldn't even know. No one would know what that was now. I know what it was, but no one else would know. And as I'm looking at that, I've just got thankfulness and gratitude in my heart that I don't live there anymore, that I, I live in this house now. And it's just like, I can't believe the night and day change to my life. And as I'm looking at that and just like thanking God, I, my eye just goes to the horizon and I see cave after cave after cave after cave and people like walking like zombies backwards and forwards from their cave. And as I'm looking at that, I, Jesus comes out and stands beside me and he's got this big set of bolt cutters on his shoulder. And he's like, come on, let's go. And I'm like, yeah, come on, let's go. And so this is crazy scene. So Jesus is going into caves. Some people are chaining their caves and Jesus is chopping their chains. Other people are walking to and from and I'm stopping them. I'm saying, hey, hey, why don't you come and live with me and Jesus? You don't have to live in here anymore. Come on, look at the house. It's awesome. Why don't you come and live with me and Jesus? And so we're like lining people up. It looks like a scene from a concentration camp. It was like, like they're black and white and it's like dirty. It feels like I'm looking at Schindler's List, that kind of movie. And we're lining them up and we're taking them and, and, the, and the, everyone's got a room and, and then like a sort of a few days go past and sort of the vision flips forward a little bit and all of a sudden the house is full of vibrancy and full of excitement and full of joy and the people over here playing the guitar and seeing people over here having a coffee and a chat there are people outside playing sport and there's just this vibe and this atmosphere and I'm just like this is so much better than being in the house with just Jesus I mean I love being in the house with just Jesus but this is amazing like there's, there's, there's other people here and it's just so cool and as I'm just thinking there just in awe of what's going on I see Jesus walking and the corner of my eye out the door with his bolt cutter and I'm like, if you're going, I'm coming with you, right? If you're going, I'm coming with you. 
And so I, I go out and he's just surveying, the, he's on the veranda surveying the landscape and I'm sitting, I'm like, I'm with you, let's go. And it's, I feel his presence and I look behind me and the, the whole veranda is full of people. And now we're not just, it's not just me and Jesus, now we're an army of chain breakers. We're an army of people going to rescue people. Come on, this is the call of this church. And so when I started this morning, I said there's an assignment to get us off that. To get us not thinking about that. To not let it become, to drift it away from being the main thing. And I'm here today to say we're bringing it back as the main thing. We are after the rescue and the salvation of lost people, C3 Wellington. It's a passion that needs to beat in the heart of us as a church. Therefore, we organise and we orientate around that passion. That if Jesus is going to rescue people, if He's going to awaken people to life, I'm going too. We want to be an I'm going to kind of church. And let me read to you from the Scripture. There's a reason why I told you all that, because in John 11:38, when Jesus says, I'm going to rescue him, the moment that He did it, it says this, and Jesus deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave. He came to the tomb of Lazarus and it was a cave. I'm telling you, man, we're in the business of rescuing people from the cave to the house. We're in the business of seeing Jesus set people free from the cave to the house. That is our passion. That is our, our we've got to land. If we're going to die on a hill, let's die on that one. One of the things really early on, this is one of the greatest compliments I think we could ever receive as a church. Really early on, some people didn't stick with us with the church because they said, it seems that all you do is preach the gospel of Jesus. And I'm like, that is the greatest compliment, right? Like, thank you. Like, I get it. Like, I get it that there needs to be, that you've got to feed the people, that there's opportunity for purpose. We're going to get into all of that. I'm not saying it's the only thing. I'm not saying it's, it's the only thing, but I'm saying it's the main thing. The true north of C3 movement is the salvation of lost people. I believe that is Jesus' greatest passion is to see His kids rescued. It's why He died for His church. We need to make it our passion again.